the international break takes its toll. Hello FPL Surgery listeners, on this episode we discuss whether it's worth removing Son and Kane with their upcoming fixtures, we ask what to do with Salah if he's out of game week 9, how we're going to deal with the carnage ahead of game week 9, and how do we find room for differentials in our 11. Welcome back listeners to episode 193 of the FPL Surgery podcast, we are recording on the evening of Monday the 16th of November 2020. My name's Rich and as always I'm here with Josh. So Josh, how was your international break? It's not not great, is it? So far, um, <laughs> sat here with um, all sorts of different coloured flags scattered over my team after a, a, a dismal game week eight score. Um, so no, I've um, I've been in better places when it comes to FPL, but um, just looking forward to getting this week done, get the Friday presses out of the way, and uh, uh, make some decisions and probably take some inevitable hits. Of course. I mean, we've still got a few more international games to go at the time of recording. So, I mean, things could still change in the next few days. Um, yeah. but obviously, we could do our best um, with the information Definitely. we have available. I think that and also I'm sure there'll be a few more COVID cases. But um, we've got the uh, the godfather of FPL with us tonight to help with all the uh, chat discussion and, uh, and FPL decisions. We do. We do. So, yeah. So this week's guest needs no introduction. But we're doing introduction anyway. He founded Fantasy Football Scout and now co-hosts FPL Black Box. He has an incredible nine top five K finishes, four top one K finishes, and the highest finish you've had is 42nd. Um, so welcome, Mark. How are you? Good evening, gentlemen. Yeah, I'm good. It's, it's nice to get an introduction like that because after last season and this, it's always nice to get a reminder that I'm not awful at this game after all. So uh, thanks for that lovely introduction. <laughs> no, of course. I mean, even I mean, I've seen your record before and even just looking at it this afternoon. I mean, it's I mean, it's, it's quite, quite incredible. And I know recently on that episode of Black Box, you actually was it you forgot how many top 100 finishes you'd had? Yeah, I don't think it does much good, though, looking back and trying to kind of live on those kind of good seasons, because, you know, last season for me wasn't brilliant. Um you know, 170,000, I think I was, something like that. And, you know, this season so far, I'm struggling to get in the top one million, haven't done it yet. So I, I, it's, there's no point really looking back and going, oh, you know, it's going to be all right because I came 42nd a few seasons back. So I don't really take put much stock into that. Obviously, you know, we, we had the Hall of Fame on the scout and there's other kind of tables that kind of plot people's careers. And it's nice to do well in those. But to be honest, I need a good season. I haven't had one for a couple of seasons now. So I'm due one, so... Let's see what happens. How was your last game week? It was all right. It was, it was one of those game weeks which started well and it it, it kind of suggested it was going to be an absolute flyer for me and then just kind of petered out and I ended up very, very average indeed. So, yeah, I mean, it's OK. I mean, I got a green arrow again after a, a quite a big green arrow the week before. So I just need to keep building on that. I'm, I think, you know, I want to get my aim is to really be like in the in the top half a million by Christmas and then build from there with all the double game weeks and the chips and so on. So I'm on target for that, but I haven't been able to put more than, well, this is the first time I put two green arrows together, I think. So I just want to get a third one and even if it's a small one and build from there. So, okay, I'm cautiously optimistic, even though obviously our squads are being ravaged almost daily by injuries and COVID symptoms. But I mean, you've still got your wild card, unlike many. I mean, that 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 could be huge in itself. Josh, I mean, how was how was your last game week? So game week eight. Yeah, pretty terrible. Um, with regards to um, to arrows, as Mark was just uh, saying, so I 
Uh, started off with two green, then two red, then two green, then two red. So we're getting a nice little pattern going on. So I'm looking forward to two <laughs> green arrows after the uh, international break. I think the only real good thing um, for my game was 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 Captain Kane um, goal. Um, I, I and obviously three bonus. Um, I, I didn't own Sun haven't all season so that was a, a kind of a, a bit of a win for me there as, as a lot of people were going in with both of them um so as he as he scored in the 88th minute I was a pretty uh pretty happy man driving down the motorway I was on my own the car was rocking um sort of <laughs> Del Boy and Rodney style um when he scored and I heard that go in I was a uh, very happy. Other than that, though, yeah, pretty pretty disastrous week, really. 47. Transfer-wise, I took out Sice for Reese James, and I took out Mane to get on early on uh, Kevin De Bruyne. So that was a tough one to uh, to stomach when he missed that penalty. I was very, very shocked at that. Moving, moving on swiftly from uh, game week eight for me. Yeah, a 10-point swing for you there with that De Bruyne miss penalty, as, as I'm it sure is. you're aware. Yeah, 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 yeah don't need to add <laughs> that one. But yeah, yeah. No, it, was, it was a tough one to take. But I thought, um, you know, I just I just love owning... He's, he's, De Bruyne, for me, is pretty much the only player in the game, really, these days that I almost love owning against top six more than I do against non-top six, just because of his position that he that he, that he has. Um, and like we saw against Liverpool, and hopefully we'll see again... Uh, this weekend against Spurs, him in that in that ten role, uh, getting into you know into the box more, getting into some really dangerous positions, um, and it's just great owning him, especially with uh, with his low ownership at the moment of sixteen uh, percent. So, yeah, hopefully he can um, he can you know get, make up for it this weekend. I had my second green arrow since I think it's since June. I got um, sixty nine points. My transfers I removed. I, I really thought Stefan made some good points on keeping Liverpool defenders, but I just wanted Chilwell too much. So I did Robertson to Chilwell and Saiz to Zuma. Obviously, that left me with that triple Chelsea um, defence and McGoldrick um, kind of ruined, I think it was the Saturday, wasn't it, when McGoldrick, McGoldrick scored. However, I mean, he, Sheffield United didn't look like scoring after that, so it didn't quite work out, but I'm, but I'm happy. I mean, Chilwell scored as well. And then Watkins and Martinez were just unexpected heroes in, the, in, the, in that Arsenal game, right at the death of the game week. So we'd just like to take this opportunity to thank all of our Patreons. And if you want to join the FPL Surgery Patreon, please Google FPL Surgery Patreon. You can ask Siri for the FPL Surgery Patreon or go to patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. Andy Portlock, Vince Poyle, Ron Frosk, Ross from FPL Merch and Darren Byrne are pledging at the highest tier. So they get an extra special mention each and every week. And I can confirm that Mark's actually drinking from your from your mug, Ross. Um, yeah, taste sweet out of this mug, I tell you. Again, it's another <laughs> reminder of my past glories, so I never miss a chance for that. Brilliant, brilliant. So we're just going to quickly go to Alan, so FPL diagnosis, to go through the very last game week. He's got some stats, because it does seem like a lifetime ago now, so it's a good refresher to have. Hi guys, Alan back here with another stats roundup. This time it's game week eight and I want to start off with another shout out to Bruno Fernandes who took the most shots of the game week. The surprisingly low-owned Man United talisman hit three of his six shots on target and duly picked up a 17-point haul. With West Brom being the worst defence so far, having conceded an XG of 15.02 and 17 actual goals, he looks likely to grab more attacking returns next game week. 
Ben Chilwell makes his first appearance in this charge. His three shots on target equals Che Adams and Jamie Vardy and is more than any of the most captained players this game week. Hakim Ziyech emerged as the go-to Chelsea midfielder this game week, topping the charge for chances created with six and begging two assists in the process. Although he's not alone at the top, Ross Barkley also created six chances. The former Everton prodigy left the Arsenal game with an assist to his name. He did play as a second striker to Ollie Watkins and his heat map shows plenty of activity in the box. Could be an option for those lacking the funds to get Jack Grealish. We love seeing defenders in this chart and Aaron Creswell makes another appearance coming in at joint second with four chances created. He's on set pieces and has license to roam forward. The West Ham defender is now far ahead for chances created by defenders for the season with so far 17 to his name. Who else is on that list you asked? Well, Trent comes in second with 13 followed by Joao Cancelo, Ben Chilwell and Andy Robertson all on 11. Should be noted though that Joao Cancelo has played half the minute Creswell has, 360 to Creswell's 720. Best budget option for creative defenders seems to be Luke Ayling. The 4.5 defender for Leeds has created 8 chances so far and is now joint top for big chances created with 3 to his name. Clean sheets are another matter however as Leeds are joint worst for goals conceded with 17. Even if expected data suggests they have conceded 4 more than they should, they are still second worst for XG conceded with 12.73. Worse than Fulham in third, who have 12.03. Interestingly, three teams that we think of as defensively solid make out the rest of the bottom six. These are Sheffield United, Crystal Palace and Newcastle United. And more Aaron Creswell, as he put in the most crosses on target this game week, with five of his total 11 attempts reaching their man. Somewhat less accurate is teammate Kufal, or Sufal, who had 10 crosses and 3 hitting the target. Crosses will keep flying in for West Ham and it's not surprising to see both Sebastian Haller and Thomas Suchek topping the charts for aerial duels with both winning 6 each. Suchek was involved in 13 duels and Haller totaled 10. Alexander Mitrovic is also involved in this chart as his aerial prowess is such a big part of the Fulham game plan. He had the most aerial duels this game week with 18 of which he won 8. He also sadly makes another appearance in the underachievers charts this game week with 0.57 xG amassed and nothing to show for it. He has now finally reached the top of the underachievers chart for the season with expected data saying he should have scored 2 more goals than he currently has to his name. We should remember, of course, that a penalty miss does come into play here. With Adamola Lukman's attempts at a Penenka at the weekend, Alexander could soon be back on penalty missing and taking duties once more. The penalty miss meant a West Ham win and a clean sheet despite them losing the XG battle 1.56 to 1.89. Other notable results this game week are Leeds conceding 4 to Crystal Palace from a total XG of 1.2 and Burnley keeping a clean sheet away to Brighton despite a total XG of 1.59 for the 
the Seagulls. Most well-deserved clean sheet of the game week goes to Southampton, with Newcastle only managing to scrape together a measly 0.3 xG. And with Callum Wilson probably out until the new year, Newcastle might become a target for FPL managers hoping to grab those four delicious clean sheet points. That's all I got for this game week. Back to you, Rich. Thanks a lot, Alan. And for those wondering, Alan did actually make it to answer the door last week. So we'll move on to now to our headlines. So our first headline is, with their upcoming fixtures, is it time to move on Sun and Kane? Now, we've got a few questions on this one, unsurprisingly. So on Twitter, Tom Horner has said, with so many injuries during the break, I assume most will be forced to keep Kane and Son unless on a wild card. And Tom's plan is to hold one of them definitely, possibly both. We have Nalinda who said, should we get rid of Son and Kane and who for? And then on Reddit, we've got a question for you, Mark. So M Adil has said, Mark has both Kane and Son in this team. Is he looking to offload any of them given their fixture run? If so, what's going to be his thought process on who he'll replace out of Kane and Son? Or if he initially plans to keep both of them, at what point will he reconsider? So if we go to you first, Mark, um, what are your thoughts on Kane and Son? Yeah, I mean, I think I've got enough to go Son to Fernandez. exact money at the moment if there's no more rises before the deadline. So Son to Fernandez in one transfer is appealing. Uh, but I've got two transfers. And so that kind of opens up the possibility of getting rid of both or getting rid of Kane and making two other transfers elsewhere. Because obviously Kane gets you more money. And also the appeal of getting rid of Kane is there's, there's Watkins and Bamford sitting there in really low price points where you can make a lot of money. Whereas obviously with Sun, you're going to be probably upgrading to Fernandez for this game week. Um, so, yeah, I, I, if there was no flags in my team, I was considering doing Kane to Watkins and then going to upgrade maybe Pedence to Fernandez and keep Son for the for the City game and then go Son to De Bruyne after that for game week 10. So I had a kind of plan, but then I, I've been diving into the data for mm. Black Box this week. And um, when you start looking again at Kane's performances and his numbers, it's 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 scary. <laughs> it's really <Yeah>. petrifying. <laughs> so, so Kane is a player that people, if they you know listened to me before on Scoutcast, they'll know that I've got this unhealthy fascination with Kane. I, I went for him a lot over Salah, even when Salah was in my team. And even when I was an early adopter of Salah, I always used to favour Kane for the captaincy. So I've always supported him over Salah and even over Aguero as well. I always had Kane over Aguero. So it's odd that I would be even considering getting Kane. And when I looked at the numbers, I'm now thinking, yeah, he's on penalties. He can do it against the big sides. And he is. I mean, the stats show that he's having an even better season in some respects than his best season ever in FBL, which was 2016-17. So he's, you know, some of the key data shows he's performing better. He's having more shots in a box than that season, which is ridiculous when you look. I think he got a, a goal every 83 minutes in that season. So to be outperforming, wow. yeah, outperforming some of the data for that is is scary. So it makes me think now that with the flags coming in, that, I'm probably going to keep Kane and uh, and it'll be Son that makes way at the moment. Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because I think Kane's easier to sell for the reasons you say, because you can free up so much money. But he does. I mean, just looking through the stats, I mean, he's had what one blank in the last 12 games. If we go back to the end of end of last season as well. I mean, it is, it's ridiculous numbers. And we were having this discussion a few weeks ago of, you know, players we think can score 30 or more goals in the Premier League. And I think... Kane and Salah were the only ones that that we could think of that could realistically do it. 
I mean, I mean, Josh, what are you thinking? Are you you've you've obviously only got only got Kane. I mean, is is he staying for you or? I think coming into this week, if I similar to what Mark said, actually, if I had no flags, I think I was looking at it as a way of basically um, going with two mid-price players as a, as opposed to Kane and Podence. Um, and then just stick with Salah and De Bruyne as my two real premium players. But yeah, looking at the stats, it's it's an interesting one, really. Um, so I looked at Son and Kane just to give a bit of analysis on both. Mm-hmm. So over the last three games, obviously, um, they've they beat uh, Burnley away 1-0. Um, they beat Brighton 2-1. They beat West Brom 1-0. So three very tight games. Um, against weak opposition, um, but you know they, they, they're not smashing teams like they were against United and obviously Southampton earlier in the season. So last three three game weeks, um, goal attempts: Sun six, Kane thirteen, shots in the box: Sun four, Kane nine, and the big chances: Sun two, Kane three. So his stats are a lot better than him. You know, if you look at the fixtures they've got coming up, I actually think it's the next two that are the toughest. I think City are a lot better defensively now. I think Laporte and Diaz will be tough for Kane. Um, then away to Chelsea, uh, we're looking great. Obviously, great keeper now. Um, Thiago's looking good. Then it gets a bit better. Um, Arsenal at home, he loves playing against Arsenal. Palace away, Liverpool away with 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 no Van Dijk and at the moment no defence at all really. And then it's less. And then it starts to get a bit easier. And there's. There's two real factors more uh, long-term that I like the idea of keeping Kane. One, we know how great he is around the Christmas period. I mean, his goal record over the Christmas festive period is 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 unrivaled in the league, really. Um, and the other thing is that if you look at game weeks 16 and 17, so right at the end of the, the last two game weeks of the festive period, um, they've got um, Fulham at home, Leeds at home, back to back. And if you look at those game weeks, they're actually two weeks that aren't particularly amazing um, for fixtures for the other premium yeah, assets. That, that would probably be the next time I'd look to Captain yeah. Kane if I held him. Would be and so the, so the question is, if you're going to remove him and you do go down to the likes of Bamford, Ollie Watkins, whoever, it's, it's going to therefore be two transfers to essentially go to bigger in the midfield and smaller up top. And then two transfers to reverse it. Whereas you could either do one or two things, just keep Kane or take a sideways move to the likes of Vardy or Aguero when he's when he's fit, or even someone slightly below that in, you know, in Werner or Jesus. Keep that premium striker in there. And then it means getting Kane back when those captaincy fixtures come in again in sixteen and seventeen is is a lot easier. Do you, I've seen that move quite a lot, the the Kane to Vardy move. I mean, Mark, Mark you, would that be something you'd consider? Um, yeah, I looked at it. I mean, I, I mean, I prefer Kane this season to Vardy by quite a margin. I mean, yeah. I know that Vardy isn't uh, a player that you can judge based on data, but his data is somewhat ridiculous this season, and his reliance on penalties has has been huge, as we know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I think there is quite a gulf at the moment between what Vardy can and will produce and what Kane will produce. I mean, I look at Kane's goal involvements, it's 15 for the season. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, that's the thing. He's added assists this season to, in its an extra dimension. 
you know, we, we expect him to get, what, two, three assists a season at most. And, you know, he's already, I think he's already got eight, hasn't he? So it's, it's just astonishing that he's got that added to his armory as well. Um, so, no, I, I, I don't think, you know, I'm either going to keep the money in there and keep it locked on Kane or I'm going to downgrade to Watkins and Bamford. And I think, you know, the the idea of keeping Kane gives gives us more time, I think, to assess whether Watkins and Bamford can really produce at the level they've been to this point. I think we're, you know, rightly suspicious that neither player um, can be as consistent uh, as as someone like Kane. Um, there's a chance they will be. I mean, Bamford has impressed and Watkins has done particularly well against tougher opposition. But, you know, are they going to score week in, week out? Are they going to keep it up over the Christmas period? And, and, and like Josh says, Kane is a is a player who always produces back-to-back over the crammed Christmas period. And he always starts. He's always going to be taking penalties. And if you look at Son, you go back to that issue. You know, there's a chance that Son will get rotated out maybe once or twice over Christmas. I know he's one of Spurs' best players, but the fixtures, you know, the congestion is huge. So whereas Kane, you just he's going to turn in every game and he almost gets better the more he plays because he gets sharper and sharper. So for me, it's Kane or I'm going to downgrade. And at the moment, as I say, I'm going to keep, I think, for this game week for sure. Yeah. I think yeah, another I... Um, another thing to look at is, um, for me, I think the, the two um, premiums that you want for the upcoming fixtures um, in terms of um, both them, their teams, their stats and their fixtures really is Salah and De Bruyne um, and, it's, and it's who you have as your third premium alongside them or or you don't, you go with two and you spread the funds more and I, I really think it's, a, it's pretty much a simple toss up between Kane and Bruno Fernandes at the moment mm. unless City turn it on and people are starting to look at going De Bruyne and Sterling, De Bruyne and Aguero, for example, or Sterling and Aguero, then it's a different conversation. But right now, I do think it's obviously, uh, you know, irrelevant of Salah and coronavirus. I think it's Salah, KDB, and either Kane or, or, or Bruno. And, and yeah, it's just whether you want to go heavy in midfield or or or, um, or heavy up top, really. Or I think it just gives you a bit more flexibility if you've got Kane there. Um, to, to to juggle around, whereas I think you can always bring Bruno in for 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 KDB or even Salah if you wanted to. Whereas if you've got that premium striker there at all times across the season, you know we could be sprung a last minute game week like we have in the, a double game week, sorry, like we have done in the past. So um, there is always, you know, it is always nice to have a bit of a balance across your squad. Yeah, City have one of those potential game weeks as well. So obviously when you mentioned holding on to Kane, you can always move to Aguero or Jesus. I don't know when that double game week's going to be, but, you know, they're a team along with, for example, Aston Villa that are going to have a double at, at some point. Um, I guess that moves us quite nicely on to, though, you know, what to do with Salah if he's out of game week nine. Now, Obviously, it's a little bit up in the air at the moment. The latest I saw was Egypt expect a negative test. And I don't know how much we can read into that. So we've got some tweets. Uh, Dale Chadwick saying, what are you doing in regards to Salah and COVID? Stick or twist. N Linda is asking, what shall we do with Salah? Chip and Chops, thoughts on benching the most expensive asset for two game weeks. And on Reddit, FluffyPuff31, would you sell Salah if it was certain that he misses two game weeks? So, like we say, it's a, a bit up in the air. Um, but, Mark, I mean, have you had any consideration at all to sell in Salah, for example? 
Yeah, I think if he was, if he was out for nine and ten, I'd sell him mm. because you know I'd want him back, of course. Um, but I think I, you know, if I'd lose not two, that's all right. I think that's not a problem. I don't think, given that, as we've been saying, you know, you've always got Kane as a as a huge bank up front in terms of money if you yeah. wanted to flush the money out. And given that we haven't got to have Trent and Robertson anymore, we can go kind of not top top price in defence and still have a, a very decent defence. I think that that funds isn't going to be as much of an issue now. So for me, I'm not worried about the loss of funds. What I would be worried about is the loss of the transfer because I've got two transfers going into this period and I need to manage them very carefully. And I, I kind of think if you've got the way that we use our transfers in the next couple of game weeks could be really vital, I think looking at the number of flags we've got, looking at the fixture swing, you know, the fact that Fernandez has got a good fixture coming up, but then it's De Bruyne. I think we've got to think very carefully about how we commit these this one or two transfers that we got over this period. So getting rid of Salah and then obviously banking the transfer, well, you're, you're booking the transfer in to get him back because he's, he's going to be a, a captaincy rotation with De Bruyne over the next few game weeks. Um, that's the main issue. But I think I would do it. I think I would go Salah to Fernandez for for game week nine if if he was going to miss two. If he was missing one, I'd probably keep him. Yeah, in fact, I definitely would, I think. Yeah, it's game week 12, isn't it, where we're probably going to want Salah because we're going to ha- want to captain him as well because they're away at Fulham. And I know he's better at home, but I mean, that does seem to be the standout fixture unless you trust Harry Kane, lunchtime kickoff, you know, away at Palace. Um, I think Salah is the, the standout captain there. I mean, Josh, what are you thinking with um, with Salah? Well, I think um, after what we've seen come out today, I think he'll actually be back. I think he'll be at, be back and I actually think he'll feature game week nine. Um, I really do. I think that from what we're hearing, he's not showing any symptoms. They're expecting him to, to produce a negative test on the Thursday. Now, I think it's like Egypt's Minister for Health or something that said that. I mean, that's pr- someone pretty, pretty senior in that world to put <laughs> their. Hope uh, so. You could sound very silly saying this, Josh. By the way, if, I, um, if someone's listening on Friday, <laughs> I'm just I'm just quoting what the Minister for Health for Egypt said. You know, <laughs> um, and um, for me, if he tests negative on Thursday, he's coming back Thursday latest Friday. He might get a training session in. He might not. If not. He's going to be really well rested um, compared to the likes of, um, you know, Mane, Firmino, Yotta, who all were away on international duty. So might might be benched. Don't know. But I think I wouldn't be surprised to see him back and in the squad for game week nine. And if he's not, I think he'll um, he'll he'll definitely be back game week 10. So now I'll be I'll be keeping him. I think. Um, you know, it's tempting to look at it and go, oh, you know, do you move to Mane? I'm always a big fan of owning Salah without Mane and Mane without Salah. But then you, you look at how weak Liverpool's team is um, with the lack of defence and Henderson's got an injury now. Um, Leicester have been great away from home. They were fantastic against City. I think they'll probably play a similar, a similar um, tactics, you know, sort of parking the bus and using the likes of Vardy and Harvey Barnes on the break. So, I think it won't be an easy game for Liverpool, um, whether they've got Salah or not. Um, but yeah, with regards to him, I think it's it, at this stage when I'm trying to build the best team I can for the Christmas period, I don't want to be using up two transfers, selling Salah and buying him back. So I'll just um, I'll just bench him. If he, what uh, will if be interesting is if Liverpool keep the same formation they played against City, because obviously they played a more it's four four 
it was 4-4-2, wasn't it? Um, which seemed to turn to a 4-2-4 you know, when they had the ball. I mean, obviously, if Salah's out, I mean, Jota should play this week. And then I wonder if they're going to go back to that formation. In, in the well, they're going to have a lack of midfielders as well, because if Henderson is injured... Fabino's going to play at the back with Matip. Milner potentially plays right back where Trent would normally play. So they're down to, what, Kaita, Wijnaldum and Jones. I mean, it's... Maybe Vardy's not a bad shout. (laughs) Yeah, I think Harvey Barnes is a great shout, actually, as well. Especially if Trent's out, you know, him him on that left-hand side up against that. That side of things could be, um, you know, no, no Gomez, no Trent there. Could be really, really good area to attack I mean did you Mark do you think that maybe we could look at bringing Jotter in for Salah and he could he could cover Salah or is that as ridiculous as it sounds <laughs> I, I think I think if we thought Salah was out Jotter's mm. not about I mean I'd probably look to bring Jotter in for Pedence or something like that um, you know I think you know, he's a midpoint. I mean, it's almost like we're almost waiting for one of um, Mane or Salah to have an extended injury so we can definitely get Yotta and know he's going to start because at mm. the moment he looks so tempting there. But in the back of our minds, we're looking at it going, well, we can't risk it because you know, he's he's going to be in and out of the team rather than a mainstay. Um, him starting at City opened our eyes again and made us think, oh, well, could he be an ever-present now from now on and could that formation stick? But I just don't see it. I think... I think if Salah is available for game week night and, and like Josh, I expect him to be, then I think Jota could be back on the bench quite easily, depending on the availability elsewhere. Like like Josh says, there's, there's so many injuries in that Liverpool team. It's, it's Klopp really isn't sport for choice anymore. He's kind of got 11 fit players, his best 11, and, and that's what he'll probably put out. So, um, But I, I just think we're still nervous about Jota as a, as a, as a long-term uh, asset for us. So I... I think we'd have to see Salah or Mane out for a prolonged spell. We're talking three or four game weeks before I think that I would make a move for Jota. It's just so rare because these Liverpool players, they always seem to be, at the, you know, they've got the most expensive defenders. They've got the most expensive midfielders. Um, I mean, Firmino's not not cheap at all. So it just seems very strange having a having a Liverpool player at a budget price. And obviously he's the same price as Foden as well. So I guess they sort of serve the same purpose. But I mean, having both of them, that could be risky. Mm. Um, that could be very risky. I mean, you don't have Foden, do you, Mark? No, for that reason. I mean, I don't, mm. I, I don't really like City assets at all because of the rotation threat. De Bruyne is, you know, immune to that, I would say. But he's about the only one uh, in the of the attacking players, I would say. So Foden, I, I did consider him. And every time he comes on and does well and makes an impact, you think, well, he's got to start next game. And he, and he doesn't. And so there's still that, that doubt that Pep, isn't convinced by Foden as a starter in his team. It looks to be the case. Um, we hear that, you know, he had he had an illness that kept him out, I think, at Sheffield United. So maybe that was the case. But again, he's the kind of player that we need certainty, like Yotta, before we're willing to, to throw even that amount of money at a, a midfield asset. Because, you know, you can get a Bamford and you get a Watkins up front for that money and, and they're playing week in, week out and producing. Yeah, Foden's. I mean, he's got me. He's got Josh as well, hook, line, and sinker. And it's it's strange he's been benched. Yeah, three weeks in a row, because like you said, that Sheffield United game. I think that was the one where he was ill, and then he's just completely missed missed the Liverpool game. And now there's these upcoming fixtures. You know, with Burnley at home, Fulham at home, West Brom at home, in game weeks re- ten to thirteen. I remember after the restart. I don't know if you guys do. He actually played Foden at home a lot more. Um, yeah. Benched him for the away games and. 
obviously, I think, you know, I would, I would have been surprised if he started against Liverpool anyway, because, you know, they always seem, they always go with two holding midfielders, De Bruyne as a 10, and then obviously the front three, and I'm not sure he's the right player to play on the right of that front three in that sort of game. But I'm hoping holding him for, you know, Burnley home, Fulham home, West Brom home, you know, coming up is 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 going to be worth it. And those are the sorts of games when they only play one defensive midfielder in Rodri, that there's another spot there for the likes of Foden, whether he plays in centre midfield with De Bruyne or whether he plays on the right or even the left if he gives Sterling a rest. I think he should get some starts and I'm hoping to see... Um, you know, some rewards for my patience, really. I think, I think the problem is, though, I, I, I've gone previous seasons where I've tried to study Pep's selection policy, tried to work it out, and I'm still struggling. I, I still can't do it. Um, mm. So <laughs> you you can you think you've spotted patterns, and then he does something completely against that pattern out of the blue, and, and it all goes out the window, and you have to have a rethink. The other thing is, I think, because Torres has done well up front, he's suddenly jumped up the pecking order a bit. So they've still got, what, Mares, Torres and Bernardo Silva who can all play those yeah. attacking roles as well as Sterling. So Foden, I wouldn't even say, is is next in the pecking order after Torres at the moment. I'd say Torres has probably earned starts over him. I think Pep likes what he saw of him up front yeah. and wants to give him run-outs now. So I don't know. I mean, we're all guessing, aren't we? It's all speculation. But I think that's all it ever will be with Pep. We, we never have certainty with him. No, I think we got lucky towards the end of last season. Well, those of us that went for the City assets, because there was the five substitutions, we were getting a lot more minutes. There was a lot of hauls off the bench. I remember Foden getting one. I remember Sterling had a couple of goals. I think um, also because he knew that the league was out of reach. It was a time to sort of, you know, bleed phone into the team and give him some more minutes yeah. and stuff. They're actually doing, he's actually doing less subs now. I think I saw a tweet earlier that said, I can't oh, remember yeah, who it was, but Brighton, I think only Brighton and Burnley had done less subs than Pep. Just final thing on it, I was going to say, normally, you know, Pep brings on players when they're, you know, 3-0 up and uh, to give <laughs> some legs rest. They haven't been 3-0 up once. So that's probably where the lack of substitutions are. He's, he wants his best Best team on the pitch. He managed to bring um, Foden on for nine minutes the other week. But um, we move on to headline three. So that's how to deal with the carnage ahead of game week nine. Um, obviously, there's at the time of recording, there's been a lot of injuries. For example, Chilwell. Um, there's a tweet just recently saying his issue last night was a back spasm and hoping it's not a big issue. And since then, there's been a tweet saying he might even play against Iceland um, tomorrow night. So I think it's worth keeping up to date on stuff like that outside of this podcast but um we've got a question for you mark from m bison who's asking when you're going to wild card and why because obviously i guess that's one of the ways you could get through the carnage is to use mm. the wild card yeah well i i at the start of the season i looked ahead and you know this is a bizarre one because we know that i think it's game week 18 is going to be split in two and half of that game week is going to end up in the midweek after game after the weekend matches of game week 19 so that we know there's a bumper double game week is going to arrive for game week 19 so with that in mind, I was always thinking, well, it's an advantage if I can delay my wildcard to game week 16 when we know what that what the fixtures will be. We'll know exactly who plays twice in game week 19 at that point. In fact, we'll know very soon. Um, I think Ben Krellin suggested that we're going to get the broadcast fixtures announced um, in the next 10 days. And I would I would concur with that. I mean, last year they were released on October the 17th, the 
the broadcast fixtures for January and December. So I think it is imminent. We're going to know soon a bit more detail on those potential double game weeks. And so, you know, if I do keep it to 16, I will have that information about game week 19. So I'll know the blanks so I can use my free hit in game week 18. And if I can prepare my team with the wild card in game week 16, I think that will give me an advantage. Now, obviously, if we've got information on those fixtures well in advance of game week 16, other, other managers can prepare their team. They can use transfers to do it. But of course, you know, there is an advantage to doing it at the very at the latest possible moment, which for me would be a wild card in 16. And then I could save the second wild card for later in the season when the domestic cups are going to create more blanks and more double game weeks. So I think there's still an advantage to hold it. Also, the, the thing is, my team has never looked bad enough yet, believe it or not, to actually play it. And the other reason is when I've seen people play their wild card, it hasn't been a very good experience for them. Like this season no. has been so difficult. Like even people who had a good, like there was people who played the wild card before Kane and Son hauled against West Ham. But even though it looked like a good wild card then, they've struggled since then. So this season it isn't a season where you can pick 15 new players and be sure that that's going to be better than the 15 no. you've got rid of. It's not quite settled, is it yet? No. So no, I, I don't think I'm in a hurry to play it anyway, even if I didn't have the strategy to keep it till 16. No, I think me and Josh have both struggled with doing early wild cards because, I mean, for example, I mean, I had Kane when he got 21 points against Southampton and actually wild carded him out to, to get on board with this Triple City. So, yeah, I admire any, you know anyone that's managed to keep the wild card and you know, I'd want to keep it a bit longer, you know, if I was in that situation. Um, I've seen a few people mentioning, so Josh, I've seen a few people mentioning um, using free hits this week, for example, because of the number of injuries. Um, I mean, what, I think I know what your take on that's going to be. Um, but what is that? Yeah, I, I just wouldn't do it in, in for any, whatever their situation is, however many flags they've got. What if you um, it's just eight. <laughs> it's just, it's just not worth it. I, you know, apart from, I think, Trent, there's not, any injuries that I'm aware of that are looking like they're going to be more, you know, more than a game week or possibly two. Um, for that reason, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother um, really. Um, I think you'll, you'll, you know, you'll, you just need to get through the week, maybe take a hit, maybe take two, um, but make sure those transfers that you're, uh, that you're using a, a long-term moves, you know, if you're, if you're if you're looking very short term at, at, at what the fixtures are this game week or moving Salah on and oh, I'm going to bring him back in a couple of game weeks time, you could get yourself into a bit of a bit of a muddle really. So um, yeah, kind of plot the fixtures um, over the over now right up until the end of the, the sort of festive period and um, yeah, maximize maximize your your transfers as Mark said they're very valuable. So yeah, um, yeah use yeah. them use them wisely. No, I like what Mark said, obviously, about the fixtures coming out in 10 days, because I guess those of us who've used our wildcard, so if someone's looking at doing a free hit and they've already used their wildcard, soon enough, we're going to have to be looking at planning for these blanks that, and mm. double game weeks that have been mentioned. My only, um, my only counter to that, though, is that the TV fixtures prior to when they've been happening have, have been coming up a lot later than normal recently, because obviously there's no fans in the stadiums. Do we not? Do we not expect that to continue? Yeah, it Isn't could it? be. It's just that they came out a month ago last year. So they came out October the 16th or 17th last year. So right, they're already so. they're already a month late based on last season. So 
Yeah, so on October the 17th last season, we knew the December and the January broadcast fixtures. So I think that's what Ben's based it on. Um, but you're right. I mean, it could be that it takes longer. Um, yeah. But I mean, even if we don't know what the fixtures are, I mean, I'm still thinking, well, we know that half the fixtures in Game Week 18 are going to be moved into the midweek of Game Week 19. So we know that's coming. We just don't know the teams involved. So while I can't plan specifically, I know that if I've got my wild card, I don't need to plan because I can just play it in 16 and and hope that I can prepare my team well enough. But of course, the problem we got is even when I do that, though, you know, the team you pick for game week 16 in a couple of game weeks, everything could go out the window anyway. So yeah, there's no point exactly. in being smug about it because it might I mean, not be great tactic anyway. My other reasoning of, of playing mine early, I mean, you know, I, I played it game week two. I had a great game week two and then it went pretty downhill after that, really. But um, it's um, is is that in, with regards to obviously, yes, holding the wild card and playing at 16 could be very powerful. Um, but you can only obviously use your bench boost once uh, across the season. So, you know, you, you hopefully with the time we've got, um, you know, in terms of notice um, and using it in a combination with a free hit, non-wildcard managers should still be able to get a great 11 in and then maybe use a triple captain, saving that uh, and then obviously using that, saving that second wildcard for the end of the season in your sort of 34, 35, 36, etc., like normal, and then using the bench boost then um, is was my thinking is that do you know what I mean? You're, you, you've only got one opportunity to use that chip. But yeah, it's, I mean, we're, we're a guessing game. I think, isn't I think it? it will be a lot easier, you know, with, with that wild card. And I mean, so much can go wrong when you're planning without a wild card. I mean, last year I was doing plenty of hits ahead of this blank game week that was going to be in 31. Um, I, was doing, you know, I did multiple minus fours weeks before. And then obviously the season got postponed. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen again. But, you know, these unforeseen things could happen. Mm. Mm. And it's, I think, I mean, I'm I'm envious of anyone anyone with wild card, and I oh, wouldn't want God. to blow it on a week this like week, this. This week, as much as game week 16, I mean, yeah, I'd love to have it this week, yeah. let alone game week 16. So, I think anyone that gets to game week 16 with it in their in their hand, and if you've got, you know, if we do get that as as obviously Ben Ben and, and yourself, Mark, you know, expect, and yeah, wow, what what a, what a position to be in. I still think even if you're playing it this week, it's not easy. I mean, I don't I don't no, think there's not. been an easy week to play the wild card at all. You know, as I said, I think it was just that game week five, the the Spurs West Ham game, where that was the first time a game week really stuck to the script, and the players that you'd think you'd pick in your wild card actually did deliver. Um, and then when that happened, I was like, oh, maybe the season's going to get back to normal. It, it hasn't really. Yeah. It's been it's still very difficult to be. And I think if I was playing my wild card now, I don't know how much of a different team I'd have the balls to pick because, you know, what would you do? Do you have Salah? I mean, we're not going to know until. Yeah, that's, that's it. You're, yeah. you, you've exactly. basically got you've got from what, three o'clock on Friday afternoon, what's all the press conferences? Yeah till you know what is it 11 o'clock or something on saturday morning um also looking at that you've not got the best set of fixtures city away to spurs liverpool at home to leicester obviously with a hugely weakened team City Um, spurs could be interesting i think we might learn quite a lot from that game um yeah but it's not it's not not a game where you want to triple up on city for Mm. oh no no what i mean is um i think we know more about if we want to triple up on city right yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, if we want to keep the Spurs players, I think that game's going to teach us so much. And I just feel yeah. like if you wait a week, if you're really keen to do it, particularly as both teams are currently almost at full strength, um, you know they're not 
so with. far hampered by injury. So, yeah. but yeah, I, I don't think, like Mark said, I don't think it's it's obvious, you know, where you apart from United at home to West Brom, Everton away to Fulham, there's not mm. really any on there where you're going right. You know, I'll, I'll get fully stuck into that that team and that fixture. And what you say about Everton away at Fulham, it's almost like if you're playing the wild card, one of the players that you perhaps want to have the balls to leave out is Calvert-Lewin, but you can't because he's away at Fulham. So you end up picking almost a template team anyway. Uh, mm. This is it. I looked at my team and thought, if I was playing my wild card, I'd probably change my goalkeeper. I'd obviously get rid of both Kane and Son, but is that a good thing? Um, you don't know. I'd get Fernandez in. I'd have to keep Calvert-Lewin, though, probably, because of the fixtures they've got. I'd certainly keep Grealish. I'd keep Chilwell um, if he if he was fit. I'd probably keep James. I, I went for Dina. I've got Dina, and he's got three good fixtures now, including yeah. Fulham. So I would just I'd probably make three or four changes. But you need more than that. You want to make yeah. six or six or seven really big revolutionary changes that are going to get you a very different team to the template. And I don't think even this week with all the flags, you can do that very easily. I agree. Unless you've got a lot of faith in Man United and you want to go double or triple up on Man United. Well, Martial, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) But the fixes after the West Brom game aren't aren't that nice, are they? So I guess you could get yourself in a a world of hurt doing that. Mm. Um, We'll move on to our our fourth headline is how do we find room for differentials in our our 11? Um, Now, we've got quite a lot of questions on this one. So I'll just quickly run through the Slack questions. So Emma said, most of us have two expensive players such as Salah and Sterling. Who would be your third for around the 10 million mark going forward? So Kane, Vardy, Werner, Fernandez, Rashford and why? Jay Roz said, have you seen enough from City this season that we should be ripping up our teams to move the assets in game week 10? And Alex Ball, what are your thoughts on Man United assets? So like we just said, if you don't own, should we take a hit to get them and captain for game week nine with a view to move into a City mid in game week 10? So, Mark, I know that's quite quite a lot of quite a lot of questions. But what are you thinking about differentials? In terms of differentials, I think I'm I'm inclined to look at in defence um, because I think there there are some players that offer some attacking potential now. Um, you know, we always look to Robertson and Trent to do that, but we've got to look elsewhere. And I think I've been looking at the data recently and proved that players like Chilwell, James, Cancelo, Dina can all chip in with attacking returns. Um, they haven't. You know, apart from Chilwell, maybe they haven't really set fire yet, but I think they could. And I think that's the main area that I'm looking at because I look at midfield and attack and I think it's really, really difficult because like I just said, Calvert-Lewin, for example, is a player that you think, well, to get a differential, I'll get rid of him, but you're not going to with Everton's fixtures. Um, Similarly, if you're holding Rodriguez at the moment, who's been a template player, well, why would you get rid of him at the moment? They've got three good fixtures. So... And you've got Grealish, who, you know, he's going nowhere out of my team. And I don't think anyone who's got him is going to get rid of him. And so you've then got your two heavy hitters. And if Salah's fit, he's going to stay in there. We're going to look for De Bruyne. And, you know, Fernandez is obviously a factor for the next game week, but he's not really, you know, he's not a differential. So I think you've probably got, you've probably got the third striker spot and one midfield slot, which is probably a mid-priced midfielder. And that's your only point of difference, really. So elsewhere, I'd be looking in defence. And that's where I'm kind of determined to try and keep this tactic of going for defenders who give me the chance of attacking returns. I don't I don't want to be playing Aileen and Walker-Peters every week, even though they're, they're decent and they do offer something going forward. They're not in the same bracket as Reese James or Dina or Chilwell. Or, or even a Cancelo, I don't believe, mm. given given the data that we're seeing so far this season. And that's where I think the differentials 
that I'm going to go after are going to be found. I like that strategy because actually just think just thinking about it in previous seasons, some of the time when I've had a good season or periods of a good season, it's just been that my defenders scoring well. I mean, I always remember, was it two seasons ago where Doherty and Dean both emerged for pretty decent prices? So, so I do do like that. I mean, Josh, what, what do you think about differentials? I agree with Mark. I think um, there's so much value to be had, you know, with the with the non uh, Liverpool, um, you know, attacking defensive assets really I think you know nothing love more than a, a marauding you know wing back or full back who's creating loads of chances who's getting in the box and I think yeah Chilwell James both look great as does Cancelo I think I want to throw Aaron Creswell in the mix as mm. well I know he plays for West Ham but I mean uh, so far eight game weeks he's created 17 chances the next after yeah. that is Alexander-Arnold with 13 and the other thing that I like about Aaron Creswell is his um, his baseline bonus figures actually are are um, are really really good for the season so far. So his um, his baseline bonus of all defenders is 132, and the next is uh, 120 on which is Trent. So that's obviously most people will will know what I'm talking about, but that is everything that you do in the game. Um, apart from the obvious of, of goals, assists and clean sheets. Um, so he's, and, and I think, you know, it's obviously where he's playing on the pitch and what he's what he's doing and, and, and his his kind of new role that he's taken on sort of this season and the end of last that um, is, is clearly working well for him in the way that West Ham play, putting lots of balls into the box for the likes of Antonio and Suchek. So, yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, I think... In terms of in terms of yeah, sort of moving and forward. Lamptey as well. I mean, Lamptey looked. In, I mean, it seems like a, for an age ago now, but I remember yeah. there was that game against Burnley, and I mean, he looked incredible. And I mean, I almost think if he was a midfielder, he'd be he'd be quite good value. Very hard to actually fit all these defenders in, and it's actually why I've been playing four four two the last the last couple of weeks. Obviously, I've actually gone three Chelsea defenders. Um, so, but I mean, them three and, and Lamptey, it is a differential. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's such value, such value. And I think you could almost squeeze in. Yeah, I think you could squeeze in four attacking premiums, you know, with that as well. I've seen mm. ways of doing Salah, uh, Sterling, De Bruyne and Kane. Obviously, yeah, either, either, four, like four, two or, either four, four, two or four, three, three. Um, yep. with, the, with the with the budget strikers like you like you just mentioned, I think you know that that, that works in terms of um, differentials sort of. Um, you know, midfielders and, and, and forwards, um, you know, there's not there's not that many screaming out at the moment. I know we've got our sort of differentials that each of us will uh, will chat about at the end of um at the end of the, the pod. I mean one that I will go into more detail then about is which is Richarlison, I think is um, you know, just back from suspension, three great fixtures coming up. I think he's one to look at. Um I think going Barkley over Grealish is a nice differential. Um, you know, you look at <laughs> this was one I was looking at because I can only afford Podence to Barkley. And I don't know, going Barkley over Grealish, I just feel like I'm being a bit of an idiot because it's my third and final Villa spot. I mean, Barkley and Grealish, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But because of Martinez, I wouldn't be able to do that. And I've got Watkins. But I tell, yeah. I tell you, the biggest villain of this season is Jed Steer because a lot of us went Steer on oh, the bench, the reserve keeper. Yeah thinking, well, I'm not going to need three Villa players. And look at it now. I look at it and think, well, if I want Martinez, I can't have Grealish and Watkins because I've got 
steer as my second keeper. So, and you're never going to change that. Are you never going to use a transfer to change that? Probably not. Yeah, no, so I've got him. I've got him, and it's um, yeah, yeah nightmare. Not great, especially when you know Tom Heaton's going to come back soon, and he's not even going to be the yeah. number two goalkeeper. So you've got to um, wonder if Jed Steer realizes what a FPL villain he is. It's not really fair <laughs> to him. But, yeah. I mean, the yeah. double game week could could force people's hand. Ben Krillin, I think he mentioned to me that if Man City and Villa lost in the in the Carling Cup, is it the Carling? It's not even called the Carling Cup anymore. In the Carabao Cup. Yeah, I think if they both don't progress to the quarterfinals, there's a chance the double game week could be a little bit earlier. So, I mean, that could force people's hands with the with the Jed Steer problem if if you wanted to triple up. But I think yeah. it's Man City, isn't it? The second game of their double. I think it's better to cross cross that bridge when you come to it rather than, yeah. um, rather than you know, needing to get ahead of it now. But I just, I personally would stick with, would go with Grealish, but... You know, he, you know, Barkley's only four point two percent owned. I mean, Watkins is only seven percent owned. So, you know, it's because everyone's investing in Grealish, thirty five percent owned. So, you know, there are there are sort of ways of 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 um, you know of, of going a little bit different if you're willing to be brave. But in terms of yeah, the um, I think other than, other than those defenders which we we all discussed, which Mark um, highlighted. I think really, which which have, were lined up in the questions, City and United assets probably are the the main sources of differential now to go with. You know, City um, with the likes of Sterling and 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 um, and KDB are quite lowly owned still. And I think aside from Fernandez, I think the United boys are fairly lowly owned as well. Um, so sort of Rashford. Uh, and the likes. So you know that that those are probably the places that I'd look. Can we trust them, Lolo? Do you do you trust in City and United at the moment? Because uh, I, I look at De Bruyne and Fernandez and go, yeah, okay, I'd commit to those, not a problem. But a second City player, an attack, I don't think I would, and I don't know if I would United either. It'd be Fernandez, and that's it. I don't think I'd go Fernandez and Rashford or Fernandez and Martial at the moment because they're just not consistent, are they? No, and the thing is as well, you're you're looking at those um you're looking at those games coming up, you know, Burnley at home, Fulham at home, West Brom at home, and Sterling's got to get a rest eventually, hasn't he? And um, you know, Aguero and Jesus will share minutes. Sterling could get he's got to get a rest eventually, and and that's where where I feel like you know I would not buy Foden now if I didn't own him, but that's where right. I'm quite comfortable with sticking with him just for that period get through those, you know, definitely for the home against um, Fulham and West Brom and then come out the other side and if uh, it's still been a failed exercise, then, uh, then move on. I think, Mark, like Mark said earlier about how valuable transfers are, I think that's why I'm going to be keeping Foden because, like you say, there's that good fixture run. I, I just feel like we're invested in Foden now and we're going to have to see it through. <laughs> and I'm still looking at a, th- a third Man City myself. I just don't know which one it would be i've got sterling and foden i really want de bruyne but there's part of me that's worried and that he's going to lose penalties to aguero you know when aguero returns yeah i think he could i think that's a possibility but i think there's every chance he's going to take and score another one before aguero's back on the pitch anyway and if that happens then he won't lose them so i it's a chance certainly that miss has dented our confidence in it a bit I think yeah. also there's enough to pitch time when Jesus is on the pitch and Aguero sat on the on the sidelines where um, you know there's a chance that De Bruyne picks up a penalty anyway. 
but I personally don't. I think he'll stick with with De Bruyne um, as the as the number one penalty taker. There's a reason why they moved, and I don't think that they'll they'll give it up for the sake of one miss when he's scored the rest of them, and he's been doing it for uh, a fair while now. There was that stat that um, Aguero's never, sorry, De Bruyne has never taken a penalty when when Aguero's on the pitch, but it'd be an interesting one, interesting one to monitor. The Piss Break is sponsored by FPL Merch with a brand new website launching on Saturday. Sign up to their newsletter now for a chance to win a bunch of prizes this weekend. Go to fplmerch.com for more info. Welcome back, listeners. Now we're going to go through our questions. Now, I think since me and Josh started doing the surgery, we've never had this many questions, but we're going to try and get through as many as we possibly can. Um, so we'll start with a question on the Slack channel from the Iceman. Now, Iceman said, Mark, I've been trying to get you on the pod for years, but I've always failed. As soon as I stop podding, you come on. What is your beef? Jokes. My real question is, why did you take a year off and what made you come back? Did you enjoy the year off? Purely a coincidence. There's nothing, nothing personal. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's uh, it's more than a year, I think. Um, so I think I think people who, who follow me on Twitter would see that I've recently kind of talked about an illness that I had. I've still got the condition, and I had about eighteen months where I was pretty ill. I mean, it wasn't um, too debilitating. I didn't have that much time off work, as it turned out, but I was um, you know struggling with a kind of uh, neurological thing, which has turned out to be neuralgia, which is fully manageable now thanks thank god you know with the with the treatment i've got with physio and with with the uh the, the medication i take but for a while i was i was it was pretty much low in terms of my mental health as well and i think i needed to just i kept playing fbl but i just couldn't participate at the level i was i was i was i was doing at the time and i think also i burnt out i think you know when i when i launched scout it was a it was a hobby and it became a labor of love. And then, you know, there's that quote from Mark Twain that says, find a job you enjoy doing and you never have to work a day in your life. Mm. That is true. That is true. But I think recently I saw a post on Facebook of someone saying, yeah, find a job you enjoy doing, never have to do- work a day in your life, but also you end up working without any boundaries at all. And that is absolutely true. When you're doing a job you love, you never really stop. You never really switch off. And the time you have with your family and the time you have to look after your own well-being just gets cut to nothing and so I had to make a very difficult decision about could I continue and because my health was suffering and there was an instance where I was in a doctor's surgery and you know the doctor was saying you've got to slow down and um, I had to listen to that and so I just stepped stepped away from scout and um stepped away from what i was doing with the premier league i mean it was amazing great opportunity and i loved every minute of it but unfortunately i'm the kind of person who doesn't can't say no and doesn't know when to stop and when it's when it's your obsession which is what fbl and fancy is it's it was too hard for me to just to just slow down i couldn't do it so i had to just step away altogether and so that's the decision i made um and then I've crept back in, but you know, my partner has um, let me do bits and pieces. And I said to her, look, you know, I'm not going to go back anywhere near the level I was. I'm not going to go back to scout doing full-time stuff. I'm not going to go back to the Premier League doing full-time stuff. 
Um, I just want to do a podcast because I want, it's my hobby still. And she allowed me to do that. And I got in touch with Az and the rest is history. We've started at Black Box and I'm loving it. And hopefully we're going to do a lot of episodes. And and also I'm doing things like this. I'm appearing on other people's podcasts. I'm actually being in the community and I'm giving something back to the community. I didn't do that when I was with Scout because the the Twitter community was almost like a rival to what I was doing at Scout. And I, and I couldn't really engage with it because I felt threatened by it. I know that sounds weird, but when it's your business, when it's paying for the roof over your head, you do everything you can to protect it. And I actually looked at Twitter as something which was a threat to me because we were losing people on the website to twitter they were discussing on twitter and I, when i'm now i'm part of it i can see exactly the appeal of that and so at the time i didn't engage with the community at all i was very much a loner in that respect and scout was almost isolated so in the final years of my tenure there i kind of we did we did change that and you you'll see now they've built up a whole network and it's very much different now to the early days so i'm just enjoying being part of the twitter community and and doing a podcast once a week and it will stay like that it's not going to be a business anymore it's purely for fun which is what i set out to do when i started scout well it's i mean it's so it's so good having you back in the community and obviously having you having you on the podcast as well i mean i, I remember just a few months ago josh sent me a whatsapp with a link to a video and it was you mark it was um that sounds a bit weird um, but it was a link to a <laughs> premier league video and mm-hmm. um he's like go to minute 22 and it was you where you're I think you were going to captain Pudisic towards the end of last season. Mm, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did do it. It was a grave error. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, that was just like a roll of the dice. I like doing that sometimes. It was a season where I was never going to have a great overall rank at the end of it. So I just thought, well, play Pulisic, I'm captain him. And, um, I, you know, it didn't turn out for the best, but, you know, it's one of those things. It was great to see you back, though. And um, it was like when your favourite band gets back together. It was uh, <laughs> Mark. You know, massive uh, <laughs> yeah, sort of jo- sent yeah. around to a few people that are uh, heavily into FPL as I am. And um, yeah, it was great to see and, and, and lovely to have you obviously um, back in the community and doing a regular podcast, but also massively uh, on, on, on this and uh, and doing this together. It's just, uh, you know, great honour. Yeah, no, it's thanks for inviting me on. And it's just, I just want to do FPL and enjoy it. And where, believe it or not, although I was in a very enviable position, when it is your day job, it becomes harder to enjoy it. I think, you know, I've heard FBL General say this about when he started doing, um, you know, doing it full time. He he struggled at first and he's obviously had to change things in the way he plays the game and the way he, he works. And perhaps he, he sounds like someone who's far more disciplined than I am. I'm not very disciplined. I don't know where to draw the line. I don't know when to stop. And so yeah I when the fun stops stops they say and I, I that had to be the case and now you know I'm, I'm loving it I'm loving doing things like this and I'm loving just swapping comments on Twitter and, and getting involved in that and 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 loving doing what I'm doing with us we've got a question from Emma so jump the wave and she's asking my question what lessons have you learned from your decisions this season well this is the whole point of black box it's it, it's <laughs> kind of to kind of study how I do things and what was in my mind at the time so what i'm doing is i'm keeping a like a diary of the season game week by game week and i'm looking and i'm writing down what i'm thinking what i'm feeling why i'm feeling what i'm feeling and why i'm making decisions and i think i've never done that before and i and it's interesting because 
you you learn a lot from that. I I, I cite an example like you know, when I got De Bruyne and Podence in, it was all based on that one game where they were on the same pitch together and mm. Podence knocked it through De Bruyne's legs. And <laughs> I watched that match and thought, well, I've got to get both of these players. They look electric. Fixtures are good. And when I look back on that and, you know, retrospectively, that was obviously a mistake. I think De Bruyne got the injury. Podence has kind of been very inconsistent and not playing more than 60 minutes most matches. So it's interesting to look back and go, what was in my mind at that point that convinced me so much that I had to have those two players that retrospectively has not turned out well. And I think by logging that and, and talking about, you know, writing it down, how you felt and what you were thinking at the time, you can look back and go, oh, okay, right. So when I feel that again, I've got to remember not to go with that necessarily as strongly as I did on that occasion, because it proved to be an error. Um, and so what I'm learning this season is really to pay more attention to why I'm making decisions and hope that, you know, bit by bit, I can learn from that. Because, I, I mean, I've been playing this game a long time and so much of the game, it, yeah, there is an element of luck, right? There's there's a skill element, mm. but there is luck as well. And I think it's, you know, I'm kind of set in my ways. I know with my style of management, I can't really change that. I don't think I'll make too many changes to that. But the changes I can make are in the way I think and my methods of analysing data and coming to conclusions on captains and transfers. And that's what I'm trying to do. So I think what I'm learning this season is, learning how I work as an FBR manager. And it's going to take time. I think it might even be a couple of seasons before I see the fruits of that. You know, but I'm enjoying doing it. And that's what that's what I've learned, really, is I'm learning more about myself as an FBR manager. That's brilliant. And it'd be good to look back at the end of the season, you know, on the learnings that you and as as get from that, especially with Podence. I mean, is there any early <laughs> learnings on that? Is that avoid Wolves attackers? <laughs> well, yeah, I think it is. I mean, I mean, not being funny, but that City game, I, I looked at that and thought Wolves look absolutely incredible. They're, they're going toe-to-toe with City and City played well in that game. De Bruyne was out of this world and I looked at that match and thought, well, well City are going to be title contenders for sure. They're going to push Liverpool all the way and Wolves are going to be top four contenders and it hasn't turned out like that at all. So I think what you learn from that is don't you know, don't take one performance, however good, uh, and and make judgments that, you know, you'll have to stick with. Because I didn't, you know, look at it. Obviously, De Bruyne, I had to go out my team because he was injured, but I've still got Podence. And because of injuries, I'm probably going to have him next game week and probably the game week after that. So you end up having to stick with these players because of circumstance. And that was all on the basis of City and Wolves wowing me in that one, when that one match. And yes, they both played well and Podence played well, but... You know, I put too much stock into that one performance and now I'm kind of carrying that. So, yeah, that, there is a link. Um, I think we've had similar experiences with Wolves um, all, all three seasons they've been in the, in, in the Premier League in that um, we target them for the easy fixtures and then we lose them for the tough <laughs> fixtures. And it's always the tough fixtures that they score more mm. goals in and they're a lot more reliable and again we're going to do it because this I'm week they're at opponents, home Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is, I'm not talking about opponents here I mean, he's, he's a new player to, 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 to us all really this season but mm. I'm more talking about Wolves in general and Jimenez mainly and Traore probably mm. um, you know they're at home to Southampton this week and everyone's probably looking at it if they own Jimenez and going well I'll keep him for this beat but then I'll then I'll sell and then you know away to Arsenal away to Liverpool and they've got Chelsea Spurs you know I guarantee you Jimenez will score more goals over the next 
six than he has the previous six because it's just the way that Wolves work, especially with Traore will be rolled out in those games from the start because of the sort of, of, of games that there'll be and there'll be a lot more opportunities. The game will open up more and, and it's just the way that Wolves are. It's just the way that they play and, and um, yeah, I'm not saying that Podence is going to go along with that, but definitely feel like we we need to start um, realising what Wolves are like and that's how they seem to be season upon season. It'd be interesting if that does prove to be true. I mean, I agree. I think that's what I'm expecting as well. But I, I look at Wolves this season and still think they're they're still adjusting. And, you know, they've, they've lost both wing-backs. They're not starting Troyori. They've lost Yotta. They're not playing Nevers and, and Martino in midfield. So he's changed that as well. He's playing Dindonka there. I think it's all... Yeah, Wolves have just had a couple of full starts. Like when mm. they played Palace and Podent scored, I thought, right, lift off. Here we go. They've got the wing back sorted. And then at Leicester, they were just disappointing again. So I don't know what we're going to get against Southampton. Um, I hope we see a bit of form again that convinces me that Podence might be a player that's still worth hanging on to. Because as I say, I think there's other fires in my team, not fires, but little sparks that I need to put out before they become fires that mean that Podence is going to end up staying for another couple of game weeks, which doesn't sound great, but yeah, we'll see. No, he's the, he's the kind of player where he's become more valuable this week just because he actually mm. plays. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, personally, I wouldn't want Podence. I mean, the end of last season, I remember thinking Wolves look very, very blunt. Um, Defenders look great. The defenders are absolutely incredible, but just their attacking numbers are so underwhelming. So yeah, we'll move we'll move on from Wolves now. Anyway, um, so we've got a question from. Let's have a look. So we've got a question from Kaza, who's asking: Does Mark think the high ranks he achieves are not realistic anymore for a variety of reasons? Um, that's due to the number of players playing. Did there's free content and tips, sharing team moves, um, and a lot of that. He said a lot of those who got high ranks 1K above aren't regularly doing content and therefore avoiding the group noise, group thinking. So what, what do you think about Matt, Mark? I mean, do you think it's mm. possible to finish 43rd in the world? I mean, yeah, I've got to think that I've got another high finish in me. Um, I do get the point that, you know, there's more players playing, of course, and and obviously there's more information available. That's partly my fault because I started that, didn't I? So um, I can't really bleat about that, can I? So, yeah, I get it. I mean, and part of the reason why I'm doing black box is, like I said, I'm trying to improve as an FBL manager. Right? I think anyone who's been playing it 10 years who hasn't, hasn't even those who have won it, to be fair, um, want to get better and, and be more consistent. Certainly those who are listening to this who take it seriously. So in order to get better, I'm trying to learn a bit more about how I how I make my decisions and spot flaws in that and become more kind of more knowledgeable of how I work as an FPL manager. And I, so that's my reaction to the fact that, yeah, I do think it is harder, but I don't think I'm sitting here now thinking, well, I'll never be able to come in the top 100 again. I think that's that's definitely possible um, because I think that, you know, the, the, the processes I went through in previous seasons and also the variance and the luck can go my way again. So, yeah, I, I, I think we all think that we've got a high finish in us still. I mean, we wouldn't be doing it, I don't think, if we didn't think there was good seasons to come. So um, I just think that uh, it's challenging. I think F- this season in particular is really challenging. And I actually quite enjoy that um i don't like it when the template is really absolutely rigid and there aren't new players and new opportunities coming up and i think this season there's still a lot of twists and turns to come so i'm enjoying the challenge of it i agree i, think I mean late, late rise it came what 30 30th was it something like that last mm. year so mm. there are people in the community doing it 
it's not just about um, the points that Kaza rent, uh, mentioned, which are all really, really valid. But I think the Premier League's changed as well, and um, it's not as predictable as it has been in in, in years, mm. you know, gone by. There's a lot more upsets. There's a lot more of your of your big teams losing, like you know, who had predicted Aston Villa seven, Liverpool two, and 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 those sorts of those sorts of score lines. Um, and I think you know the. the, the the league in general is a lot stronger. You know, teams that 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 are, that are getting promoted and really giving, um, you know, the the top six teams like a shouldn't real. Shouldn't that make it easier though? Like, shouldn't that make it easier if the games are more unpredictable? Because you know, we could look into the numbers a bit more. I just feel I mean? like before, you know, back in. I mean, I can you know talk from from my experience of the game in terms of sort of finishes and and and, and recent seasons. Um, in that, you know, when you had the reliance of Man United earlier, you know, under Ferguson and you had players like Cristiano Ronaldo, but, or, you know, you had periods where Arsenal were fantastic and Chelsea under Mourinho. And I feel like there was, there was a much bigger divide then between the top teams mm. and, and the mid table and the bottom teams. Whereas now I kind of feel like, I mean, look what Villa are doing this season. It's, it's astonishing um look at how Leeds have gone and played against some of these teams um you know the, 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 I feel like it's it's therefore is does it mean that we need to go from being I've always been a fixtures based manager do I need to be more of a form based manager throw fixtures out the window because at the end of the day a lot of the time you know unless it's a Plum fixture versus West Brom or Fulham, they're not worth the paper they're written on in terms of what to expect from a particular FPL asset or team. Are we better just to look at form and look at the likes of, right, Grealish, he's looked fantastic, Calvert-Lewin, he's looked fantastic, and just just go with the players who are on song for for that period. Yeah, and I think this season as well, we've had that home and away thing, like your away team's doing a lot stronger during lockdown as well. So we've got an extra layer of, of a kind of variable in there that we've got to adjust to. So, yeah, I, I think every season we get these um, these adjustments we have to make to our strategies, but that's part of the beauty of FPL. I mean, the game doesn't change that much. I don't think the rules have changed for, what, for four or five years, maybe even longer than that. The chips are the last big change. So while the game doesn't change, the Premier League landscape, like you say, has absolutely changed season to season. And that, I think, is what's kept FBL so engaging and, and so challenging and, and kept us doing this kind of thing, I guess. I do remember feeling like we had a big advantage that that year they added the chips. I think a lot of mm. more casual players use their chips really early, whereas the people like us, you, you know, have a th- think about it, listen to podcasts. We realised keeping the chips for the double game weeks was the way to go. But holding on your not... holding on your all out attack until game week thirty eight. <laughs> oh, yeah, the all out attack. But yeah, but now people just um, or more casual players, I think they know to hold those chips because they've seen other people doing it. Um, even if they've never listened to a podcast in their life or you know anything like that. So I can see advantages like that going slightly. But I always like to think you know those big finishes are you know within our reach. Um, but we do a couple more questions. Um, so we've got another one for you, Mark. So Hornet's asking if you have any magic beans in the pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a reference to that that famous Scoutcast episode where Joe and uh, and Granville absolutely ripped my wildcard to shreds. And in that wildcard, I had Tom Carroll, Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Alexander-Arnold, who were all 4.5. And um, 
yeah, John T labelled those three players as magic beans. Um, no, no, there's no there's no one up my sleeve like that. I don't I don't think we've got any players uh, really at that level four point five that can have the potential to break out. I mean, I, I Tom Carroll at the time, if you remember, was actually playing pretty well for Swansea, and he was everybody's four point five midfielder. Yeah. And I think I went for Loftus Sheik because I he, he was at Palace and I knew he was playing well for Palace. And then he got an injury and I knew he was going to come back. And I really thought he was going to kick on. And he arguably had his best season of his career uh, in that in that season and, and got into the England squad and at the end of that season. So Loftus Sheik did have did prosper, but didn't do it for me in FBL terms. And Alexander Arnold, it was just too soon, wasn't it? I went too early. Um, yeah, but clearly I saw him as a player, a fullback. He was taking set pieces. He was his delivery I could see was was quality. And I thought at the time it between him and Gomez for first choice. And I think I think there was an injury um which meant to Gomez, which meant Alexander Arnold played the European tie and then that push the rotation out of out of uh, out of post out of procedure I, I always thought that it was going to be Gomez playing Europe Alexander Arnold playing the league games and then at, Gomez got an injury which meant Trent played the midweek game which then meant it went the other way around and Gomez played the, the Premier League game and then from that point Trent didn't really get back in the team regularly so I think that was unlucky because I think if Trent had got regular starts in that season even though it was early I think he would have really shone and as you know history tells us once he did get regular starts he's become a an incredible player so meteoric think, rise yeah i think i still stand by it if jaunty was here now on this show i'd still say i was unlucky with those two i think you know lot of got in the England squad. trend anyway well, was... yeah, I just think he just didn't get the starts, did he? So, yeah, I mean, nowadays, like, you look at the player list and I just don't see players. Like, I think, obviously, FBL have got better with the pricing and recognising rising stars. And, oh, from and... Lundstrom last season. Yeah, well, that was, <laughs> a, that was a big oversight, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I look at yeah, I look at Lookman and player like that. He possibly could break out if he wasn't playing for Fulham. I think he's a quality player. And at five million, he's got the talent to perhaps push... 10 goals or 10 assists or even both in a in a in a decent team for Fulham I'm not sure he can do it um so there are there's him I don't think there's anybody else around five million who's going to break out and become a mainstay uh Brewster could um but I just don't think again he's playing for Sheffield United he's not getting the opportunities so far and I don't think he'll get the opportunities yet to to be the player that he'll probably end up being in a few seasons time I was going to say, actually, if um, if Klopp feels that he needs Fabino in the centre midfield, um, Nat Phillips um, at mm. um, Liverpool, four point naught, you know, with these injuries, um, could potentially play alongside Matip if he feels like he needs Fabino in, in in centre midfield. I think he'd be in everyone's team. If someone needs to free up a bit of money, I can see someone going for Nat Phillips or for Nico Williams. I mean, obviously, you're not expecting them to play, but. I mean, for that kind of price, it might be worth a gamble. That could be maybe a new magic bean. Um, <laughs> I can hear, I can hear Joe now say, I can always see him shaking his head at the idea of this. <laughs> we'll, we'll move on then. We'll move on. So we've got a question on um, on Reddit. We'll make this our final question. So Sultan Said has asked him, with Salah out, who is the best captaincy option for those who don't earn Fernandez? Now, people like myself, I was going to be captain in captain in Salah, um, and I guess we are going to move on to our captains in a minute, but. Josh, I mean, if you could own any player, who would you say is the best captain this week? Honestly, I think Richarlison, away to Fulham. Oh, I, I, wow. He's been out for three games. 
they really need to turn around what they've done. I think they've done four, they, what, one, one, four drawn, one lost three. Is it something like that? Is this Everton? Uh, yeah, yeah, they have because they drew against Liverpool. Yeah, so they've lost the last three against Southampton, Newcastle. Have you heard that and stat United. where they've not won a game since Richarlison signed? Without you know, when he's been out without him, yeah. yeah. So it shows how important he is. I just think he's 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 been banned for three games. He's coming back. He's got they got three nice fixtures. I just think he away to Fulham. It's. It's it's a lovely differential captaincy option. I think you know um, you can you can look at potential options like Bruno and you know or um, as, as 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 ones that could could you know be worth putting the armband on or Grealish. But these are all fairly highly owned players at the moment. I think if you want a differential captain, three point eight percent owned. I think Charleston is really exciting this week away to Fulham. Mm, I, I think he's. I mean, like we were talking about people on the wild card. I think I'd like to think if I, he'd be the option to go instead of Calvert Lewin to go with, with Charleston because I think before the suspension he was looking like a real prospect uh, as a differential. So um, yeah, I think I think he'd be certainly an option. The only thing I worry about is Fulham actually started to look a little bit more kind of pragmatic in their approach and looking a bit tighter. So. I don't know if Everton are going to go there and get two or three goals. It might be a one nil. So that's my only doubt. Because I, I think Fulham, I'm not yet convinced, are going to be the whipping boys that we thought they were going to be in terms of goals conceded. Because I think Parker's changing it up a bit. Yeah, it's just such slim pickings this week with these fixtures, especially with like like the question mentions, you know, with Salah going out, it's caused quite a quite a headache. But I guess we'll move on to our trapped ins shortly. Um, so we we'll wrap up the questions there. Now we've got some feedback from last week when Stefan was on. From Bitter and Stout, so Mike Jeski, the, the GIF legend, or GIF legend, depending on the way you say it. Um, an FPL heavyweight returns. So good to hear Stefan again. Great debates and great minds. So we're going to our partner chat. Now, Mikhail Tokvam's algorithm. You can sign up there at patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm. Mikhail's going through Iceman's team. And basically his feedback this week is there's an uneasy situation with a sea of red flags. And he's told him to wildcard. Um, so I believe Iceman's mulling it over and is looking at a wild card. And the team that Mikhail suggested is Fabianski in goal with a 4.0 defender. Um, sorry, with a 4.0 backup keeper. Chilwell, Tellez, Cancelo. I think Tellez has got COVID now, though. Grealish, Barkley, Fernandez, Mane. Watkins, Vardy, Calvert-Lewin. Um, with Riederwald, Soufal and Nat Phillips. Um with enough in the bank to bring Salah back next week. And what the Iceman's looking at doing, though, his wildcard team actually is McCarthy in goal, uh, with Chilwell, Soufal, Diaz, Kevin De Bruyne, Ziesch, uh, Bruno, Grealish, Calvert-Lewin, Watkins, Vardy. Then on the bench, he's got Lookman, Lamptey and Nico Williams. He's got so, two magic beans. He's got Lookman and Nico Williams. He has, hasn't he? <laughs> and, the, and then the one Mikel's said about doing was for was Nat Phillips. There we go. They've got a few magic beans there. Yeah, so we're also partnered with our Fantasy Football Hub and have been given the exclusive sign-up offer of Surgery 15. So you can go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk and sign up there for 15% off. And we are partnered with FPL Doodles. So that's at FPL Doodles 1 on Twitter. And he does the artwork for the pod release tweet each and every week. We move on to our trapped in. So that's our transfers and captains. So Mark, you've got two free transfers this week. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, I don't think I can commit to anything at the moment because we've got to get this team news, haven't we? So, I'm, yeah. I mean, I think at the very least, Fernandez is coming in, right? That's for sure. 
because um, I'm going to put the captaincy on him because I, I do think while I'm a bit worried about Fulham not conceding a lot of goals to Everton, I do think West Brom will concede at least two to United. And and Bruno last time out looked looked the part, didn't he? Um, he's not the same at Old Trafford. That's the thing. That's the thing that's puzzling. Yeah. But I, I still think that I think you need to give. Bruno, I go. If I only had one transfer, I might think twice about this. But with two transfers, I think I've got to get Bruno in. And are you looking at holding Bruno long term? No, until no. your wild card. No, Bruno straight to De Bruyne the week after. So it's oh, just so one week. Okay. One week. Oh, interesting. Probably, okay. yeah, because I just look at it and think the next best captain for me. And I know you said Richarlison there is probably Grealish. So I think if you don't have Fernandez, it is really difficult to pick a captaincy. Yeah. And and if Fernandez does deliver, then those who have got him are going to really steal a march. Um, so I think I want to get him in and catch him just to cover that because there isn't another obvious captaincy that I, I'd go for. And so I'm a little worried that the gap between Fernandez and the other the other pick that I'd go for a captaincy would, would be quite big. Um, Grealish, home to Brighton, if it wasn't, I mean, Brighton are so difficult to predict would probably mm. be my captain otherwise but i think i'm 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 pretty sold on bruno and it and it probably will just be for the one week because i probably will go de bruyne in for their run of three home games in four and who's um who's sorry who is bruno coming in for it'll be for, for some so i've got i've got oh, the exact some. money to do it um if i don't have the exact money i probably will get rid of trent and go creswell in for trent and then son to Bruno like that so if, if there are price changes and I can't do a straight swap in one Trent will go and I'll get Creswell in and then I'll probably start Creswell in the game I, mean, I might have to because at the moment I've got Brewster in my starting lineup and he's a doubt as well so it's just so difficult isn't it? I'm presuming Chilwell's going to be fine and I'm kind of presuming Salah's going to be fine at this stage so my strategy might change based on the team well it will change based on the team news on Friday it's a really difficult one this week because, um, yeah, I was on Salah captain. I don't have Grealish like you do, and I, I don't know if I trust Watkins. I've also only got one free transfer, so I'd, I'd also see Bruno as a one-week punt. And with one transfer, I'm, I don't think I'm willing to, to do it and you know waste a transfer, mm-hmm. even though I do realise how important captains are. I was actually on on Chilwell captain until he got injured. I just thought he genuinely. I think he. I, I think he was my best captain option um, because I. I don't. Re- I've got two Man City players. I've obviously got the Spurs double up. I don't know if I can trust Watkins. <laughs> well, this is it. This is why Bruno's so important. That's what, exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of managers like you are like, where am I going to go with this armband? So it's just, yeah, it's just because I had this plan in my head of where I wanted to be. And I want to get De Bruyne in, in the, in the longer term to go for that really risky Man City triple up. But yeah, it does feel quite wasteful not picking a good captain. And I guess with Chilwell, I was just going for that. What I thought was maybe a safe floor. You know, if he can get, six mm. points I'd, I'd be kind of happy with that i mean i'd probably be delighted with it um and i really want to keep kane i don't want to go selling him even though i do like the move that josh mentioned you with richarlison or even calvert lewin um against against that fulham side so i'm i'm very undecided i i really don't know what my moves are going to be um i'm also weighing up that barkley against Grealish thing um, where I think, I mean, I think I have to get Grealish in somehow at some point. So I think my most likely move might be Son to Grealish. And then Captain, I'm just going to have to just wait. I mean, even Kane, I might consider. Although Man City are then the best defence in the league, potentially. So, um, but then he's blanked what, one, once in 12 games. 
Mm. So it's not not an easy week for it. I mean, Josh, are you any more decided than than I am? Not really, no. Um, so I've got one one transfer because I moved early on De Bruyne with my second transfer last week. So one transfer sat here with flags on uh, Trent, uh, Seamus Coleman, um, Salah and um, Mikel Antonio. I think Antonio will be fine. Um, I personally think Salah will be fine. So it's probably those two defenders that will be the issue. And I can, you know, just get rid of one of them and, and bring in one of my uh, my Leeds boys, Ailing or Dallas, to uh, to play for a week. Um, they've just been fantastic, those two recently. Did you well last um, week? <laughs> hey? They did you well last week. Oh, yeah. They were awesome. <laughs> Great performance. Um, so, um, yeah, I think it should be all right. I, I probably want will want to do something a bit more creative, though. I feel like Grealish is someone that is very much outperforming his um, price tag. Um, obviously, Mark, which we've not really spoken about much, got on him really early before that big Hall against Liverpool. Just a few stats on Grealish and why I think you know he's 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 looking really good um, amongst all midfielders. Game week two to eight because obviously he didn't play game week um, one. Goal attempts twenty two. He's second. Shots in the box nineteen. He's first. Chances created nineteen. He's third. And big chances created six. He's first. Um, and he's seven and a half million. So. How I get him in, I don't know. Um, but um, I, I definitely thought you like Barkley. <laughs> I do as a differential, but yeah. if if your team fits it, and let's be honest, most teams are going to fit better bringing in a cheaper asset is a million and a half less. But I think um, you know it's, it's never good to scrimp and save in FPL, especially no. when there's a player who's outperforming his price as much as that. He looked so, so good um, last night for England as well. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I, think, I, um, I nearly got rid of him for that Liverpool game as well. It was it was just out of luck that I didn't sell him and got Barnes in. What was your um, What was your original thinking about going for him? I'm really intrigued. Well, they like, had Fulham. They had Fulham away, so I okay. got him in for that game. And I think they had what was the one after? Was it Sheffield United at home? I don't know. They had a decent home game after. So I, I thought, well, I'm going to get him in for two, and then I'll switch to Barnes because Barnes had a good run of fixtures. And the only reason I didn't do Grealish to Barnes ahead of Liverpool was I had to. I think it was I needed to get Calvert Lewin because he was just going mad. And I had to. I just felt I had to make that move, and so I had to use my transfer there. Kept Grealish, and he got the massive haul against Liverpool, and maybe looked like some kind of genius, but actually it was the biggest stroke of luck in the world, to be honest. So, I feel very, very lucky to have had him for that, and and lucky that he's turned into what appears to be a, a keeper for the season. Yeah, maybe Podence would do the same. Girl. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll get that it somehow. <laughs> you never so, no, know. in answer to your question, Rich, I'm I'm, I'm not decided on 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 transfers, and uh, unfortunately not on captain either. But um, yeah, a few flags, and um, hopefully by Friday we'll all be in a better place because mm. a lot of these players will be. Um, will be uh, confirmed as uh, as fully fit. Yeah, hopefully it's been worry over nothing. Um, so we'll move on to our... So Josh, if you can just quickly go through our leagues. Yeah, so the um, FPL Surgery Podcast League um, in fifth place is uh, Lass Willemson. Fourth is USA Kamal United. Third is Gloria OA. Second is Sean Dunlop. And first is Darren Axton. And then in the FPL Surgery Patreon League, Fifth is Jorgen Rogberg. Fourth is Colin Donnelly. Third is Darren Bairn. 
Second, Matthew Greco. And first is Espen Frostard with a game week score of 97. Oh, wow. Very nice. Um, so we'll move on to our differential picks. So we've all got one this week. So, Mark, what's what's your one? Well, I'm going to go for Jao Cancelo because I, the, the reason why I mean, earlier I spoke about where the differentials can be in my team, and that would be in defence. And also I look at City and think, well, their fixtures are incredible. They've got three home games in four against really good opponents. But I don't feel confident enough in investing in two of their attackers. I, I mean, it's De Bruyne, and then I don't really trust anybody else. I don't. I look at Sterling's numbers and think there's something wrong with Sterling at the moment. There's something awry there. Something's not quite right. Um you know, whether he'll click, I don't know, but it's he hasn't done enough so far to convince me I need two City heavy hitters in midfield. So if I want extra City cover, it's going to be their defence. And Cancelo's just been amazing. I mean, in the four games he's played, he's actually created a chance every 33 minutes, which is better than De Bruyne over the same period. So oh, wow. for a player to come in and create more in the same team as De Bruyne is, is astonishing. Um, now, Mendy could get fit and then we have the rotation issue and Zinchenko's there as well as a more conventional, he's a left-footed left-back. So there's always a threat, but I, I actually think he's playing so well and I think with Diaz and Laporte striking up a partnership, I think that we'll see some consistency, continued consistency in Pep's back line and I think Cancelo can really deliver for us. So, yeah, he's my differential this week. I mean, you know, it's a Spurs, whether he'll return against Spurs... I think I think Spurs could nick one in that game for sure, but I think he offers an attacking threat, and I think long term he could be a fantastic differential. I think for the next up until the Christmas period when there's going to be rotation, I think he's going to be a really good option. I like that. He probably is looking better value than than Foden as well. So Josh, who's your pick? So Richarlison, as mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. So um, I discounted game weeks four where he was brought off after 20, 20 odd minutes uh, with an injury in game week five when he was um, uh, sent off. So just looked at his, his stats for one to three, game weeks one to three. And amongst all strikers, uh, he was top um, goal attempts 13, second shots in the box of 11, and top for penalty area touches with 28. Um, like I said, I think it's a great fixture. If he doesn't haul this week away to Fulham, then next week it's at home to Leeds and then it's away to Burnley. And I really think for anyone who's on a wild card, go for him over Calvert-Lewin. Mm. Um, he's, um, you know, he's he's got 54% less ownership. And I think he's someone that can definitely outperform him. Um, and he's on penalties. So, yeah, I think he's a great pick. They're at the same price now as well. Yeah, the penalties are the big, big swing, swing on that one. Um, so my one, I've got um, Patrick Van Arnholt, and it would be one. I mean, he was one I was looking at last week, and he, I think he's one. If you're going to get him, you need to get him now, because their next three are just beautiful. They've got Burnley, Newcastle, West Brom, and there's also a stat which Josh sent me via Andrew Garrow on Twitter, where for defenders this season, he's actually fifth for big chance, big chances, eighteenth for shots in the box, and fifth for shots on target. But he's hardly played any minutes. He's 110th for minutes played. So, I mean, with those three fixtures, if you're looking at maybe a, a Trent replacement, I think Van Arnholt could be a, 
could be a brilliant one as well that's our differentials so really i mean mark thank you so much for coming on i'm sorry we've used up so much of your evening <laughs> no it's great no thanks for having me I, I love talking about fbl every opportunity and it's been great sharing it with you this evening brilliant and um i mean obviously people i'm sure people know already but black box you know how, how can people listen to that yeah it's on the it's on the youtube channel so look us up on there we also put it on all the podcast uh usual platforms for that so it's it's going to be moving to every wednesday because we're well i'm well i think we're both doing uh fbl champ man this season and they're they're showing that's on a thursday night so we're putting black box out on a wednesday so we can take part in the champ man thing on a thursday so that's that's working out lovely so nine o'clock every wednesday on youtube there we go yeah and champ man is, is a lot of fun i think we've oh, actually yeah. got luke and andy on next week who are doing the the live stream for that i think it was we next do. week anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. It's next week yeah they did a good job in the first week so i'm looking forward to tuning in every thursday to that so please help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. Please join the FPL Surgery Podcast League. The code for that is 439HW9. That code again is 439HW9. You can find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit and Twitter. The Twitter handles at FPL Surgery. Subscribe on iTunes and remember to please rate the podcast five stars. Or you can email us fplsurgerypodcast at gmail.com. So Josh, you've just got one more thing to say. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod.